This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel 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 it. We are going to look at the implications of the newly received 70 billion rand loan from the IMF, as well as matters pertaining to integrity and money. I'll get into detail on that a little bit later. We can't kick off any discussion without looking at what the numbers are dictating as far as the spread of COVID-19 in the country. As of July 27th, 2020, an increase of just under 7,100 cases. The world of COVID, as you know, never rests, and we are still feeling the remnants of the most recent address from President Cyril Ramaphosa in relation to the ways in which he plans to root out corruption that is impeding the fight against the pandemic. Also, to ramp up the efforts that the resources at his disposal are doing to mitigate the damage of the COVID-19 pandemic. One of the ways he has gone about doing this is securing that 70 billion rand loan from the IMF. And it hasn't done enough to quell all of South Africans' concerns. We spoke to a few of them to share any concerns they may have as far as the government's ability to use this money in the ways it needs to be used. And this is what they had to say. No, I don't believe Ogutsivas is in the right way because there is corruption in South Africa. And so far, I'm at 350 Malala. And I'm going to go to the matter of 50. So, obviously, they're going to use it for their own benefit. Um, I personally believe that um, corruption will, will like forever be an, an evident thing. It will always happen, be it like first world countries or third world countries. People in power are always going to be. A, p- a part of it's not everybody who is in power it's just a portion a handful of people who are in power who are always going to be corrupt even the people who are at the bottom working their way up to the top talking about i'm going to fight we're going to fight corruption at the end of the day most of them do turn out getting on getting into power and being corrupt so it will always be an evident thing it's just that we need um honest people who are willing to actually help people who are in need and I personally believe with the IMF funding that we got, the loan, um, the problem that we do have in our country is um, transparency between the pres- um, presidential party and its community. There isn't, an, there isn't enough like transparency where people are actually informed what percentage of the money that we got is used for certain things like job creation, health, but um, better service delivery, providing for the less fortunate. And then if you can't share, what are they doing about that? Transparency and just honesty. We don't have that kind of honesty and within the people who are in power, which is a problem because those are the people who are actually supposed to be helping. That That's why we vote. We vote for people who are going to be, who we trust, are going to be honest enough to be actually be able to speak on our behalf and so yeah corruption is unfortunately going to always be a thing which is a very very unfortunate truth that we have to um we have to kind of like accept but we also have to try and fight it and with the imf it just it just all comes down to transparency and honesty really my name is david from auckland park 
So in April, the president announced a, a coronavirus budget uh, amounting to 500 billion that has aimed at the health industry and helping the poor. But until today, um, there's no tangible evidence that anyone can really point it to say uh, the funds were used appropriately. It's a good move by the IMF to uh, rescue the country, but this is also um, a, a, a long-term loan for the country and for the next coming generation because i mean the funds as well imf says that they are aimed at uh, reprioritizing uh, health and mitigation spending but once again can the can the government um allocate the funds yes they can but will they allocate the funds that's the question that needs to be asked because there is no evidence of what the previous funds were done with so it's a it's a very tricky question because a lot of people have lost faith in the government already so we don't know if they will distribute the money but we know they can distribute the money hi family this is tabo here i'm an entrepreneur i just wanted to share my views on the imf um, loan that has been granted to south africa and uh, it's a simple one really we just come from spending 500 million rands which was not even spent accordingly Um, the question goes as to what sort of plans and processes do you have um, that it makes sure that, that that money is spent accordingly and it goes a long way um, the other thing is i mean a simple calculation is that there are 59 million 300,000 south africans somewhere there and if you had to take that 500 billion and divide it amongst each individual each individual would walk away with about 5 million plus and let's just say you gave each person one million rand that would have gone a long way um, i mean if they say the government had to squander that money give every individual one million rand and people would li- would um, live in peace for at least 12 months to to two years i wouldn't understand why somebody wouldn't uh, use that money wisely but it happens the main argument here is that now we've got another loan that has been granted to us uh, look, a loan needs to be paid back. That's why it's called a loan. How are they going to pay back this money? It's going to come from us because we are the economy. Um, the economy is obviously um, full of entrepreneurs. It's full of people working in private and public sectors, uh, blue chip companies and, 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 and massive companies. We are the ones that, work, uh, that, that, that are going to pay for that money somehow, eventually. Um, I think, honestly, the government must give us a clear plan on how they're going to spend this money. There should be a, a public platform whereby they say this is what the money is going to be spent for. This is who the, the, the funds were, were awarded to. So pretty much they must have like a transparent platform or software or web-based application, something that will make people see how and where that money was spent and when. Um, the other question is, do we really need that money? Uh, I don't think so. I think we have stopped thinking. Uh, I think we've stopped um, having a vision. Um, I think we're so much caught up with what's happening that we've we've given up on pretty much coming together and coming up with long-term organic growth strategies that are going to make sure we stop relying on these things, on these loans. We should be the ones loaning other countries not us being loaned at i mean we've got so much infrastructure we've got so much happening for our country yet 
we are the ones on the back foot stretching out our hands begging for money and all these other countries are just giving it to us because they've put structures in place it's time we started doing the same and that's that's my short view on this whole case it is interesting how the whole world is affected by COVID-19 and the whole world will also rally around uh, to help because of um, as a international monetary fund the economy would get affected and it will have an impact on a number of things the south african situation is going to be very interesting imf's position with regards to its loan it's around structural reforms in economy it also requires us to be giving different economic reforms that would suit the imf in terms of how they operate as on a, as organization and over and above that it will also uh, increase or develop the corruption in south africa and the new wording of corruption in south africa it's around COVID, and we have seen how the mec of health and the wife has been uh, implicated with regards to this we have seen how the presidential spokesperson has been um playing a role with regards to this and we all call these people covert entrepreneurs the effect of it on south african environment of that account of money it's not only the covert entrepreneurs who will be looking for this money the anc comrade deployment will also play a critical role and who's going to be paying off this thing it is a money that will come into the ruling girl into the government and the government will pass it on to its covert entrepreneurs at its anc and ordinary south africans will be the ones who will be have to pay for this imf loan and what are the results for that there's going to be increase on tax there's going to be increase on um uh, on interest rates and i can bet you it's another colonial colonialization of the worst to africa watch the space well you just heard a few south african voices here on the COVID report really echoing the sentiment that there's still a lot to be concerned about as far as the worries as to whether or not our government will be able to manage the 70 billion rand resource they have just received effectively enough to continue the fight against the COVID-19 pandemic. A pandemic that has caused damage not only to our economy, but economies all across the world. But when we bring it back to our shores, what is next? for our economy and how long will it take to recover? Joining us to shed some light and perhaps provide answers to this and many other questions, we are joined at this time by the CEO of Inkunzi Wealth Group, Mr. Owen Nkomo. Owen, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Can you first take us through your observations as to the state of damage this pandemic has caused to our country's economy? and? Has there been improvement in parts since the lockdown levels began easing? And where are we as far as our road to recovery? 
I think the challenge we have is that uh, South Africa is an economy that uh, generates about $360 billion a year. So which essentially means if every day we are open, we're generating about $10 billion odd dollars. Uh, since we've been closed for a good um, three odd months now, um, and if you count the working days in there, it's essentially four odd months. Um, you know, since we've been closed, it means we haven't had full activities that will see us generate $10 billion a day. And that, that's a very big concern. It's therefore the reason that uh, we are estimating that a 7% contraction in our GDP is fairly conservative. I anticipate that our losses, uh, based on uh, the lockdown, could be in excess of uh, 10%. So that is the big problem, number one. Um, the country is losing a big part of the $10 billion productivity on a daily basis. Uh, the longer this extends, the more money we will lose. And obviously, it's causing big shortages in uh, our budget, our fiscal system, which is the public financial management uh, system of the government, is causing a big shortfall there that's going to see us needing uh, a lot of money to, to, to be able to cover the gap um, that is created by the shortage. And unfortunately, I am not sure that we are apply, applying the right um, um, strategies to deal with this shortage because everyone else in the rest of the world is battling to... to um, to, to try to get the economies back to work. And the biggest economy in the world, America, is still badly with COVID. And I imagine they will keep their borders closed for a long period of time um, you know, to the general populace. So it will be difficult for the country to rely only on the monetary policy instruments to get the economy to recover. So we need to start thinking outside the box about things. Yesterday, news came in that the IMF approved a 70 billion rand loan to South Africa. Can you break this down for us and what it means? Look, this is money that is coming in to, to bridge a shortfall. Obviously, uh, the president had mentioned before that he will be uh, sending guys to talk to the IMF to get the cash across to us. Uh, it's part of the budget that the government needs to meet the shortfall that uh, the government is looking to cover because of the COVID challenge we're experiencing. A lot of countries have applied for this one as well. It's a special facility that's been created for countries that are struggling with what we call balance payments. And, you know, it's not South Africa alone that has gone to us for this cash. So we have gone to us for this money. Um, and I think that uh, it's, it's created a lot more questions uh, that are really sensitive, particularly given the events of last week. Uh, where people started to, to, to reflect that they are not happy with the way uh, the relief funds have been managed by the government to up to this stage. Now, Owen, the announcement of the IMF loan of 70 billion rand to South Africa certainly came as a shock to a lot of South Africans considering the news that emerged following our, our economy being downgraded to junk status that we would not be able to access um, any kind of financial resource from the IMF. Fast forward to today, and here we are sitting with a newly received 70 billion rand loan from the IMF. Can you perhaps break down the way in which the tide turned so quickly? The, the additional funding we got from the IMF had been expected by 
uh, most people close to national treasury and most people that are close to to uh, the the workings of the finance system in the country because the president uh, did talk to possibly going to the IMF and re- requesting funding in the amount of 4.5 billion was flagged at the time uh, you know when we started off with the closure of the country and yet we thought that uh, we had managed to be able to get other sources you know from the new development bank you know from internal sources of uh, reshuffling the budget like uh, Mr. Mboweni did recently. We thought that we'd managed to get enough cash. But I think what's a concern to us more than a shock is the fact that uh, there doesn't seem to be a proper um, you know, communication in terms of how the money is being used by our government. And there doesn't seem to be accountability for how this money is being used. And it worries us that we're getting more debts uh, yes, I mean, the conversation has started already, but I think what worries us the most is the fact that we have gone and got more debt without addressing the current spending pattern, the current uh, concerns by the public around how, you know, the current COVID funds have been used. And we are not getting any uh, explanation as to the terms and conditions of this loan. We're not getting to understand what the interest rate is. And I think those are the challenges that are making people very nervous about us continuing to load up the debt. Uh, other countries, as I've said, have applied to get uh, given this um, this, this uh, support from the IMF. And I guess it's, I guess the people that will benefit the most are those people that will manage it properly uh, and make sure that their economies kick into first gear quicker than the rest. Now, Owen, you've just touched on the worry among um, citizens in the country that the, 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 the further plunge into debt won't necessarily help us in the long run. Can you perhaps expound on the validity of that concern that many of us as South Africans may have that it won't help to plunge deeper and further into debt to try and uh, address this COVID-19 crisis? It's very simple, uh, game. Um... We have an economy which is on its knees. Jobs are being lost. The growth is is, um, is, is declining in the country. We're expecting 7% decline. We're expecting our economic indicators to worsen from where they are. And I strongly believe that adding on more debt just takes us even higher than the uh, 87 or percent uh, that is predicted for the amount that the country has as debt compared to the amount that the country is producing through uh, the GDP um, function. So that is why we're very concerned at this stage that um, if we keep loading on all of this debt, what it essentially means, uh, that total national debt is over $4 trillion. It means that every um, It means that every other day we're paying a big amount as uh, interest to the debt that we owe. So it means when we collect money from SARS, that money is not going to build a hospital. That money is not going to build a school or a road or invest in infrastructure properly. It means that this money is actually going to service debt, a big portion of it. And, and the, the, the line in our expenditure items on the budget, uh, which is worrying us, is certainly the interest repayment. We are paying over 200 billion rands already in interest to the, for the loans that we are servicing. And I think that is a big challenge. The more debt we are, we are we're loading on means that we will continue to pay more interest over time. And you can imagine just how much we can do with even 100 billion uh, as a country. We could build schools, build roads, bridges, you know, do amazing things and create jobs. But if we are lazy and we get used to borrowing money, 
the opposite is going to happen. We're going to be enslaved by, by debt, just like many other emerging countries out there have been over the years. Now, another cause of concern, as you rightly put it earlier, is the concern around the lack of clarity around the ways in which the available financial resources are being used to combat the COVID-19 pandemic. A lot of conjecture has arisen around corruption. Now, to what extent do you believe the issue of corruption in relation to funds meant to assist the fight against the pandemic has played a part in our economic turmoil? It's, it's, a, it's a big concern, again, it's a big concern. Um, because I think that Africa, uh, I'm not sure how much you read about Africa and other emerging markets, the biggest um, challenge for us to grow as a con- as countries is always corruption. Every one rent that's supposed to be put into development, potentially 50% of that ultimately ends up doing the projects that it's meant to. The, the bulk of that is wasted through delays and is wasted through money being misappropriated. So it is right and relevant that the public is complaining about this aggressive um, abuse of state resources with absolutely very limited um, accountability and virtually no consequences. Yes, the president spoke about consequences last week, um, and I think he was still scripted. I think uh, if, I, if I was speaking as a president, I would have been more angry, I would have been more intent on making sure that I immediately get uh, people who are going to investigate the, the valuation of these tenders that have been issued. Maybe we're complaining and these tenders are actually genuine, but there's no commitment by the state to show us that uh, these tenders firstly are genuine and the pricing is fair. And I believe that is a very big concern. Every time money comes through, we know that um, you know some people will benefit in mass. And one thing, perhaps, is there a different approach we could take as a government to the tendering system that will allow the government to spend less than it probably is doing at the moment. Maybe just take back all the procurement, internalize it sort of in this current period, internalize the procurement and make sure the government controls, um, you know, the the final pricing of these things. I mean, Jojo Tanks going at 170,000 rands when you can get the full set from, uh, from game or builders, uh, warehouse or cash build, you can get the full set for less than 50,000 rands of uh, different sizes. You can get five different sizes of tanks and maybe put in 50,000 for, for installation and transport. So the, the amounts of money that are being paid out the uh, game are, are certainly heart-wrenching to a country that is struggling with poverty, to a country that is struggling with unemployment and uh, very limited growth. We have got the capacity to to borrow money, but we're just not doing the right things to make sure that money works for us. A very sobering picture you paint there, Owen. Now, from your knowledge and projections, do you think that our economy can and will recover from this, considering the state it was in prior? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, is, <laughs> that is a very tough one because if our behavior continues, if the behavior of the voters and the electorate and the citizens continues to be the same as what it was in the past, if the behavior of the politicians continues as was it, what it was in the past, I think that um, it will take us many, many decades to recover from this. Particularly if you think about the fact that easily we have unaccounted for, let's just call it half of the so-called 500 billion rands. We don't know where that half a billion, that, that, that half a trillion rands has gone. We don't know how, where half of that has gone. And we continue in a laissez-faire manner 
and we're continuing to ignore what people are expressing. And importantly, we continue to complain on Facebook and Twitter as citizens, um, where my concern is that in the next 10 years, 15 years, if not earlier, we'll find ourselves uh, looking for places to go and, um, and hide the South Africans. And trust me, uh, we will have very few places to go to if our economy goes to the dogs. And by the time the economy gets to the dogs, the dogs are not going to be interested. Maybe we'll try the pigs. And the pigs probably won't be interested as well. I mean, no one will want to be associated with us at the rate at which we are going. And I think that's quite sad, particularly considering that uh, we have a government that enjoys the vote of the majority and a government that enjoys the control of the budget and controls all the special investigative units that uh, can control the corruption. We are very concerned about uh, the future of the country. Any recovery needs a total change of behavior, particularly from the government. We need a government that will be objective, and that will make decisions and not be partisan about it and put the country first. I think we need to change that gear. There's a whole lot of implementations that we could think about, particularly that we saw when uh, the peaks countries going through these doldrums, which is Portugal, Italy, Ireland, and uh, Spain, as well as Greece. You know, they had major changes that impacted their national budgeting positively, and hence the economies have recovered. And citizens were actually expecting that things would be more difficult. The government didn't go continue to play those socialist principles. And the government certainly had no room to condone uh, corruption. And they were very difficult on people that were corrupt in the system. And hence, those countries in about five years, they managed to recover with Ireland being the biggest recoverer uh, or the quickest uh, to enjoy recovery. But for South Africa, I do think that if we don't change our behavior as people, where we just accept that the government is doing its best or ah, the government is, is being corrupt or people dealing with the government are being corrupt, if we just continue with the status quo, I worry that uh, we will not be able to, to, to recover as quickly as we need to. We'll see more people being despondent. We'll see more people relying on social grants. We'll see fewer people being employed. We'll see fewer companies coming to invest in the country. And I'm sorry to be the bring of uh, this bad news, my brother. I hope I don't spoil your day. Oh, well, that's to one side, Owen. As far as um, the continued ramifications of the pandemic, taverns contribute... Uh, 3% to our GDP. And uh, some, some, some of those taverns have demanded that government give them a relief package. Should this be something that is considered? And if so, at the amount that they're demanding? Look, I mean, I think my concern with that is the fact that think about America. Firstly, let's think about America, a developed country with a bigger budget and a bigger ability to print money to support their system. Um, they are battling right now with the issue of alcohol. Some states that opened the states, uh, the economy is quicker and allowed people to go to bars and drink, have closed those bars. They realize that the bars, funerals, and religious gatherings are big uh, epicenters for transfer of uh, COVID from person to person. And yet America has got the budget and relatively bigger hospitals to try and deal with this. But at the moment, uh, the bulk of the hospitals in America are operating at full capacity because of uh, people that are sick with COVID. And you have seen and heard, and it's been debated extensively on our social media, whether South Africa has got capacity in its hospitals. I certainly think that we're either full or at full capacity. Can you now imagine if we open the alcohol game and people go back to, to, to drinking aggressively? We have a drinking problem, I think, as a country. We abuse alcohol and we drive. We've got amazing roads. We own a higher number of cars per capita in, on the continent. And unfortunately, drinking and driving and getting involved in accidents or stabbing each other or violence against women 
has obviously been in the, on the increase, particularly once alcohol came back, um, you know, from, from being banned the first time around. Our fellow sisters and mothers were, were abused uh, by the, their drunk partners. And what that does, it pressures the healthcare system and, this, and the policing system as well gets pressure. But the flip side of it is, um, you know, obviously we're losing billions in tax. And I think that um, at this point in our lives, you know, what's, in, what's more important in my view is a, a, a rational approach that says, can we afford to have people drinking, um, you know, without limitations and expect our system to be able to carry that? And unfortunately, the people that will take the brunt of the pain is the man in the street who doesn't have a medical aid that will take them to a private hospital. Is someone who's going to go to Barra, someone who's going to go to Charlotte Matlaya, someone who's going to go to, um, you know, um, you know the, 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 the public hospital facilities. And I think that uh, we certainly don't want that happening. So at this stage, I personally think that the sooner we flatten the curve, the sooner we make sure that the curve is managed properly, um, the sooner it will be for most of the sectors to open up. And I think that maybe a sector like tourism should actually potentially start being open with, with uh, the right guidelines in place, um, you know, to sort of start getting some of the cash coming in. Some other sectors must be open as long as those sectors don't pose a big threat to, to, to the citizenry of the country. Now, perhaps in direct response to the concerns that we talked about earlier of the public in relation to the mismanagement of funds, the misuse of funds, President Sula Ramaphosa, in his recent address, went to great lengths to point out where exactly the financial resources at his disposal have been implemented and how many people have received funding. In your opinion, through this relief package of his, has this relief package truly done enough to help the economy mitigate the damage of this pandemic, or is it simply papering over the cracks and band-aiding the cracks, so to speak? So I think it's difficult to speak to, to that question because we don't have the numbers. We don't know how much money has been used. We don't know um, which sectors have been given the cash. Uh, we suspect that the healthcare sector might have received a big chunk of the money. We know that additional soldiers uh, being hired, of course, the country about six billion odd rands. Um, and, you know, we continue to be in the dark about how the reshuffle, the, the reshuffle of the budget was allocate, allocated and what the expenditure patterns have been there. And all we can do is to guess that uh, the bulk of that money is potentially going to tenders that have been inflated. And it's obviously going to bite us uh, down the line because of um, the fact that whatever was budgeted, we, if we budgeted 100 rands, it's not 100 rands of expenditure that went into the economy. It's less than that because of uh, intermediary fees, um, you know, facilitation fees that we've seen on the, on the social media last week where people are complaining about corruption. I think we should get more numbers so that we will be able to get an idea of exactly what has, what has happened. Right now, South African citizens, we know that our tax is being used. We know that our future balance sheets are being put on the line when we get offshore uh, debts into, into the national budget. So we really hope that there'll be more transparency on the numbers uh, uh, game so that we, we understand where we are, what the shortfalls are, what we can give the government to do. We ultimately are the partners to government through all of this. We give them taxes so they run the country properly. I do think that they owe us an explanation to, to, to help us grasp what, um, where this money has gone to so that we can uh, be at peace with uh, the fact that they are treating our funds fairly.
Now, Owen, as far as the president's plans to root out corruption that is impeding the fight against this pandemic and the grand plans that he shared with the nation in his most recent address, do you think that more is still demanded of our president? Do you think he still needs to be a lot more firmer in rooting out this corruption? Or was he simply just saying the right things to keep the nation at peace? Look, I mean, I think um, I posted last night you know, that um, the greatest test of uh, leadership is the results that the leader achieves in the time that they're in charge of any situation, particularly a crisis situation. Uh, I think the president is fully aware of the fact that he needs to deliver results. Speeches are not going to help us. Uh, these eight o'clock family meetings are not going to help us if we're not delivering results. I think that he can talk as much as he wants. But if he's not implementing corrective measures sooner than later, um, he's just potentially, I think, that people will continue to see him as aiding the, 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 the rapid demise of our country's finances. And we need to speak objectively about that and say, if we allow the demise or the depreciation of the financial environment that we are seeing, we will be in a worse off position five years from now. And our children 10 years from now, 20 years from now, will be in a worse off position. They will carry more of the burden of debt than, um, than they ideally should. We needed to arrest the corruption faster. We needed to arrest the lack of delivery from the government systems faster. And we needed to manage our finances better. And we needed uh, corporate South Africa, as well as the unions and the citizens, to be a part of um, the solutions that the government is putting on the table. But uh, the government is actually being more um, playing a, a, a game where they are dictating what happens out there as opposed to, you know, extensive consultation with all the stakeholders that will help the government make the decisions uh, faster and more, more correctly for the sake of the country. What are your parting words for South Africans about our economy during this time? What is one thing they should note? I think instead of uh, being in the streets and asking the government to open up alcohol sales, um, instead of being in the streets and asking the government to give us food parcels, instead of asking the government to give us those 350 rands, um, you know, injections to our balance sheets. I think that what is more important is for us to get up now and make sure the government sees that we are not happy about this corruption. We demand the government to be more transparent. We need to demand action against the people who have um, abused these resources that are supposed to help us citizens in these difficult times. If ever there was something that we need to be doing about uh, game, in my humble view, this is the time for us as a nation, everyone, to be heading to Pretoria or to Cape Town where the government uh, management uh, systems are, I think we should be going there and expressing our uh, discontent at what is going on at the moment. And unfortunately, um, the other um, uh, intervention that we could do is to talk at the ballot box uh, game. You know, in, uh, in a year or so, we could talk at the ballot box and show dissatisfaction. But that becomes another can of worms altogether. If you think about the options that are available, if you think about them long and hard, you'll realize that um, we potentially, some people might say that we are stuck with the devil we know. And if we don't uh, talk to this devil and ask him to, to be less, less greedy, I think that uh, we will continue to see the country going to, to waste. And unfortunately, the people that are prepared and cushioned 
to do better if the country continues to worsen are people that historically have controlled the capital, some of whom have taken money overseas. And the bulk of us, the voters that have kept the system in place for so long, we cannot afford to go overseas and find second homes. That is very unfortunate. And I think it leaves only the citizens of the country as being the potential solvers of this problem. Uh, standing up and making sure that uh, there's accountability and there's consequences for abuse of, of state uh, resources. That was CEO of the Nkunzi Wealth Group, Mr. Owen Nkomo, joining us here on the COVID report. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1. Or stream by www.vafm.co.za.